Look at the adjective. Play. Now is the franchise going to take the Viagra? Oh, going to put the butts in the seat. Hello there, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode number 24 of the Cos WCW, the podcast where the big boys play. Thank you so much for downloading us wherever you get your podcasts from. We really do appreciate each and every one of you take the time and effort to spend a little bit of time in the WCW dare I say universe my nah. name is the twisted genius Dinez alongside my esteemed co-host sports columnist sports columnist I need to call you a sports communist then uh, Liam Happ how you doing Liam you have been waiting to call me a sports communist and you had to wait <laughs> until we had this concept where we promised ourselves we won't be going oh no 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 we'll get rid of that part we're going to do this unscripted we're going to do it live unedited and you finally had your chance yes I am a sports communist I'm yeah. not really I don't know what I am I don't even know if the sports things uh, applies to me to be honest so, so we're doing this unedited and, and uncooked it's almost like we're doing this raw oh for fuck's sake Dean but kudos that's two for two now well, very well played and it's funny you are starting to get these weird references to the WWF in because we did the very first Monday Nitro as a watch along people seem to like it so we're going to try and work for as many of these as possible but here the second one this is well this is actually where the Monday Night Wars begin it wasn't last week I think we touched upon it uh, they were preempted Raw for US Open. It was very yes. much in the you know, US Open tennis. It was very much on the forefront of Bischoff's mind when he made the successful pitch to Ted Turner, and they decided when to roll this out. This is exactly when he wanted it. He wanted a nice, uh, unopposed start to things. And as we said, it was a fun show, more of America train shops in the background, Jushin Liger, all that. But now we're getting into the meat of things. We're going to get into proper regular, it's going to be no novelty of the debut episode, regular story to, regular storylines, I should say, uh, building up to full Brawl 95, I believe. Uh, and yeah, uh, let the pot shots about the opposition begin. Listen up, slap nuts. That's right. This is Jeff Jarrett, the chosen one. And you're listening to because WCW. Now, choke on that. Okay, so if you want to watch along with this, then we have got the WWE Network on. We have had the advert. We've had the... Whatever music that tells us this includes violence. And we have got this paused on 0000. So, uh, yeah, this is... We're coming up to episode two of Monday Nitro. As you said, Liam... We had Jushin Liger and Brian Pilm. We had Hulk Hogan and Big Bubba Rogers, and then Lex Luger walks out on the the end of the uh, the end of the show. Has Hogan and Luger staring down. So we are about to watch episode two. So grab your remote control, PlayStation controller, Xbox controller, whatever it is, or laptop, whatever you listen that you watch WWE Network on, and we will be pressing play in three, two, one, go. And we have our not quite yet familiar exploding buildings and houses with Hulk Hogan's giant face on right, them. Let's begin Vader Watch. There's, there's, there was Vader there. Uh, yep. Still, yep, still very much in there. All right, all right. So it was common knowledge that they were trying to get rid of him at this point. Uh, and I believe it took. It was a bit of a process, but obviously he he was released from his contract and went straight to WWE. Miami, Florida. It's not quite Minnesota, is it? It's downtown Miami, though. It's downtown a, it, Miami. Just makes me think of uh, Dexter. Like Miami, but seedier. And this is a this is more resembling a proper stadium. And yet, I don't, do you know what? It's a very much a center stage Atlanta vibe to that setup. I like it. It's Man, a proper they, arena, but it's a shorter walkway, a bit more intimate. Hell of a lot of pyrotechnics. Was, yeah. was this before WWF? We're using Pyro for Raw, I think. I don't think so. I mean, it was a very gradual thing, wasn't it? I remember they just pop up every now and then, and then before you knew it, it was every week. So they were definitely using them earlier than '95. But 
There's a oh, member of the show booth. and tie, the audience. It's the debut of the booth. This is, is one easy. thing I loved about Nitro, is little distinct things, and they were nowhere near the ring. Yeah, I'm presuming they're... So, I never quite worked out where they were in relation to things, but... Oh, oh God, Mongo McMichael just made a, a Where's the Beef reference, which I think was a topical joke people made the last time he was a relevant NFL player. Oh, okay. Like, 85. But then again, Heenan is the master of dated references, so he probably admired it. Yeah. Going back to last week, because you mentioned about Hogan and Luger, and 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 they said they were going to have the title match this week, didn't they? Wasting no time. And his head, the first head-to-head. It's one hell of a mullet, isn't it? Oh. There you go. He's fed up with playing around with kids. Not like that. He's uh, here to uh, here, here with the big boys now. Charges pending. Yeah. But this this was trash talk in the nineties. It was you know I have a promotion. It was kind of embarrassing. And th- this would have been the first ever match between Luger and Hogan, wouldn't it? They'd never crossed paths before. So I, do- I don't have the ability to call BS on that one. So I, I think you're right. Because all the time, it. yeah, all the time. Hogan, well, when Luger broke in, Hogan was already like in Japan and stuff, and then Hogan was in WWF and Luger was in WCW, and then they pretty much swapped over, didn't they? So I don't yeah. think they ever met. It would have had to have been some obscure territorial match, if anything. But it then, and I can't point. believe I'm saying this about the person other than Hulk Hogan, but Lex Luger was quite mollycoddled in his in his early career. He didn't really. It was Hogan who actually did travel around and hang and bang. Whereas well, Luger well, didn't say, do as much. Yeah, you say he was mollycoddled, but I think Bruiser Brody put paid to that. <laughs> I think Bruiser Brody did it because he was mollycoddled. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh, oh, hang on. Vader escape clause. They're writing him out. Because he was supposed to be on War Games. I think I mentioned it last watch along. Oh, there, so he's not signed the proper paperwork, apparently. That's a great out. That's all. That's up there with Return to His Home Planet. That is, yeah. So the monster Vader has been foiled by admin. Oh. But uh, yeah, it gives. Oh, they, could have, they could have thought of something better than that, surely. Well, it, it's, they just needed something that gave him his opportunity to boldly state that Hulk Hogan and Hulkamania are in deep trouble, and he got that in. Yep. Here we go. Oh, this better not be who I think it is come out to La Parker's music. This is sacrilege. He's going to do the La Parker strut. It's Sabu. Oh, fucking hell, it's Sabu. <laughs> How much Never time did... would this match give us for you to give us some stories about Sabu? Oh, man. He's shoving Penza. Get your dirty hands off Penza. He's our friend. Yeah, listen to our last episode. We had Penza on. Hi, Dave. How you doing? Yeah. He wanted to talk... Dave Penzer would talk to her because WCW, Sabu wouldn't. Well, I don't think because WCW wants Sabu on. Now, here's a more distinct... This theme song's only associated with one guy, and that is oh, yes. uh, Justin Richards' favourite wrestler, Alex Wright. <laughs> yes. Sabu was just a weird fit in WCW. Yeah, so, right. How many botches? What's the over-under here? Oh, three... Free? Oh, you're going to lose a lot of money with no run like that. Okay, so we're exchanging hip tosses and Sabu's grabbed the leg and now he's just going for a choke. And, and yet, yet again, Alex Wright is being forced to go immediately on the uh, on the back foot in a wrestling match, which, as we know, is something he's used to from the Roma <laughs> debacle. Yes, which was the same year, I think. So oh, we've now got so Hurricane Runner over the top rope, but Sabu seems to have done more damage to himself than uh, Alex Wright. Basically, Sabu being signed was more about a case of trying to just... No, I was going to say trying to damage ECW, but he'd left ECW before then, hadn't he? Because of that double booking with New Japan. Yeah, He's always had an appeal to a lot of companies. Everyone's always... Uh, made an effort to book him, but as if you listen to the commentators, I think they've already run out of their lines for Sabu to try and put over what he brings to the table. They're already repeating themselves with unstable, unpredictable. 
they they really don't know what they have on their hands, which is a which is a crazy thing considering he's been doing this act for several yeah. years at this point. There so if you hire him, you know why you're hiring him. Now this was this was always clever. I mean, I remember Andre Baker, my wrestling mentor, always he crashed into the barriers, saying saying about this. He said. Sabu would use a chair as a step to help him get elevation on moves. And by using a chair, people were saying how hardcore and innovative he was. And actually what he's doing is making life easier for himself in doing these jumps. Yeah. But, oh, dr- nice drop kick from right on the floor. And I guess the referee's been lenient with the old count here. But, yeah, Pat- you, Patrick's got outside with them. You know the one thing I never liked about Sabu and a few other wrestlers who do the extreme hardcore style you think of some of the best guys and I, I get that doing this sometimes you have to take a, a bit of stiffness and a bit of pain but you do have the whole situation where yeah it's, it's, it's a lot of wrestlers regard it as an easier night's work in some respects but with Sabu you never know when he does this extreme wrestling he's there's never any intensity about it yeah, Where, it's going through the motions. And that, of, yeah, yeah, and that takes yeah. me out of it. If you're going to be, you know, you think of like, the, the, you mentioned Bruiser Brody earlier, guys like Abdullah the Butcher, even, they, they'd have a wild eye look about him. Terry Funk was probably one of the best brawls ever because of that. Even even in the modern day, Jimmy Havoc, yeah, yeah. His, his matches, his facials are, are great. Um, I was commentating on the match piece yesterday, which was more of a family audience, and he, you know, and he was wrestling. It was great to show that he can actually wrestle. But anyway, I got to say as well, earlier on, a little while ago, beautiful top rope drop kick from Alex Wright. Got amazing elevation on it. It's, it's really a shame that he's been used as a vehicle for Sabu in this instance, especially considering how many bloody people WCW have in their roster. Because you think, look at the way he's performing. He looks. This is six months after Super Bowl, just over six months after Super Bowl, and he already looks a different animal to Super Bowl and late '94 when he was really green. He, we were talking about intensity, intensity earlier. He's he's showing that he's got the facials. Yeah, his his moves are cre- just did a great backflip into a German suplex. Wow, nice. 1995. I'd pop for that in 2018. Sabu is a little bit lost without being able to chuck chairs left, right, and centre as well. Yeah, he's he's got to try and get over his gimmick with a basic a wrestling sort, match. This is yeah, in a sort of a PG environment. This is a oh, listen to Eric Bischoff using Arabian facebuster for the completely wrong move. Oh, and they botched the finish. Um, was that meant to be the finish? Uh, I'm going to guess by Eric Bischoff saying Arabian press, Arabian face bus over and over again that he was trying to get over it. It was the finish. But Except it was for that wasn't the Arabian face buster. No, it wasn't. It was, what was it, like a, a victory roll power? Yeah, victory roll. The Arabian face buster was a leg drop where he sat on the chair. Yeah, which, which obviously isn't going to be the thing. But now he's beating him up anyway and right got up like pretty quickly after seemingly kicking out at two and a half. Yeah. So it's oh, like look, Super Bowl a, with a roll reversal. There's a table that just happens to be uh, carelessly left at ringside here. That looks pretty solid as well, that table. Oh, that does. That does not look like a typical breakable wrestling table. Are, are we going to be alerting Matthew Gregg live on the podcast? I am the table. I, I've got a... Can you have spoilers when the show this show is like twenty years old? Oh, I broke. He did, but <laughs> to explain really... to me how what he did hurt Alex right more than, and I get I get the whole yeah he he damages himself, but come on man, the the idea is he hurts his opponent too. Otherwise, what's the point? Just go do it in your own time. Yeah. Oh, Nick Patrick has reversed the decision. So they probably thought that this mess was okay because in the end, Alex Wright would have a win. Jesus Christ. And we think hey, WWE his booking now is bad. Uh, his music's getting played. That's all that counts. It's like... Oh, do well, you know, let's, have, it, let's have a look at this finish. Let's see what happens here. Yeah. In theory, that is a great is move. He, is, he meant to, is he meant to kick out just after the three count? I don't know. It just, did, it just felt like a bit of a flat finish, didn't it? Yeah, the the count was botched and his execution and his execution was a bit sloppy. But you know what? So you got a sunset flip power bomb where you do it off the ropes and it makes the impact of a roll up. That's basically what he's done with a victory roll there. 
yeah. hit that properly, I mean, it's all right. The thing is that that match was, what, five minutes, if that? So, I mean, as much as I'd like to say, oh, why is Sabu going for the big moves early? It's because he's only been given five minutes and he wants to get all his shit in, basically. Yeah, they didn't seem to know what to... It was throw shit at the wall and see what sticks and nothing stuck. Well, yeah, because I I think, you know, a lot of these fans wouldn't necessarily be uh, be familiar with ECW. I mean, I know there was a, an ECW banner in the audience just then, but they wouldn't necessarily be familiar with ECW. They wouldn't necessarily be familiar with New Japan. Um, well, you can tell it by the reaction or the non-reaction that th- New Japan wrestlers always get when they're in WCW. I but. think anyone other than WCW would have at least known how to get across in five minutes. Anyway, you ready to go to Space Mountain, Dino? Absolutely. Love his suits. Man knows how to dress. Oh, yeah. This is going to be a pretty uh, collector's item interview because he's about to cut a promo for the go-home of his match against Stan Anderson. Ah. We saw in the first one, we was expecting we saw him come down and because we've gone into this pretty cold and our memories aren't great, we're waiting for him to like cheat Sting out of the win or something and <laughs> he's actually having beef with Flair which only lasted uh, pretty much a month. What, him and Anderson? Yeah. Okay. So this is a very very rare window. I'm glad they did it. I think it's one of those things, though, that people didn't really want to see it. You know, it's like the Hardys fighting each other. People didn't want to see it. They wanted to see Arn Anson and Flair together. Mate, if, if the Hardys had the match that Flair and Anson had at Full Brawl, and I hope we cover it soon, uh, I'd want to watch the Hardys or anyone else fight. Not many people of that awkward feuding f- area that you're alluding to could do what they did. That was a great match. Here come the four fingers. I can't remember that match. We'll have to. You're right. We'll have to cover the mm. full brawl. Here comes Lex. <laughs> Flair's holding the ropes for him. I think he's got a bit of a semi on. <laughs> he listened to his reaction. So, Luger has come down. Flair is putting him over. Obviously, the the lines are very blurred at the moment. Because it's hard to tell if Flair's the heel in his situation with Arn. If Luger's the heel in his situation with Hogan. And Luger, well, spoilers, but Luger is about to be shoehorned into Vader's spot as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Luger has just come down, responded to Flair like with a bit of a flattery, and, and left off again. Yeah, fantastic. There's been better promos from Flair, but... but you see, this is what you get when Nitro is actually an hour long rather than three hours long. Things are things are compact. He hit the money, you know. They say you always always hit the money in your promo. Yeah remind people what's going on, why. He did that, it just wasn't very memorable. Yeah, so like you said, this is this is the, the Nitro directly before Full Brawl, and obviously next week's number three would be straight after Full Brawl. Mm. Which will be the their first post-pay-per-view edition, which, as we've known yeah. in history, has always become quite the uh, episode of TV until WWE stagnated the fuck out of the entire industry. <laughs> Oh, US Dave title Penn. match. Yeah, Penza's first sentence, not over to the live crowd. Second sentence onwards. Yeah, well, oh. listen to everybody. Listen to the episode. We do cover this. Yes. Uh, it was a mandate from Bischoff, but it doesn't cover just how... Uh... Oh, so now he's VK Wall Street. Because he was addressed as Michael Wall Street Michael. last week. Yeah. When you mentioned VK. Yeah, they've just said now he's VK Wall Street. Yeah. Suddenly, suddenly they're going live against WWE and he's VK Wall Street. Jesus Christ. What does the VK stand for, they're questioning? It looks like Money Incorporated were merged into one person. Well, yeah. got Irish that, dressed as the million dollar man. Exactly. That jacket is like, a, yeah. I mean, I went to a fancy dress party as the million dollar man before and I swear my jacket was better than that. Oh, yours was tons better. The thing is, is he looks more like the captain from How I Met Your Mother. 
which I know is a reference not everyone's going to get, but go look up a photo if you're unsure. Now, here's Dave Penza announcing Sting while Man Called Sting plays, and I happen to know from Twitter that he hates Man Called Sting. Oh, most people hate most of the tunes on WCW Slam Jam, surely. I didn't mind this, and I really liked uh, Rick Rude's, which was great. Yeah. And I get why people look at this. I can understand why people look at Man Called Sting as as not good. He does this, he does that. Yeah. That's what pens are hate as well. Uh, but it's character specific. And so, sometimes a wrestler makes a music work rather than the other way around. So it may be sheer force of willpower, but there is a little bit of catchiness. And it uh, always, uh, I always thought it, it did sound a little bit like a man called Dean. Well, that's how you play yourself into a room, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You have this always. exact theme play, but you've done a little <laughs> edit where it just goes, Dean. A man yeah. called Dean. Dean. <laughs> Neon green for the stinger. He does this, he does that with his stupid beard. He looks like a twat. That's my <laughs> See, now, Steve, as much as I prefer Crow Sting and what he became afterwards, he is wearing neon green with hints of black and he looks awesome. He looks like a star. Yeah. He looks like a superhero, as uh, Quack once famously said in the podcast about Liger. Uh, whereas VK Wall Street is wearing a really unflattering singlet. With a huge gold dollar sign, which I've never seen on any wrestler before in my life, honestly. It just looks really bad, doesn't it? It is, yeah, it is basically. It's ripping off the million dollar man, as you say. Not not even in a good looking way, though. And I know, like, Rotunda's often been a guy who likes to cover up in the ring for, you know, yeah. Reasons that maybe only he knows. So I think I've, you know, I've, I've, I've seen bigger titties flapping around in a wrestling ring. I'm embarrassed to admit. But uh, yeah, he likes to cover up. But that singlet is just awful. Was DBRC in WWF as a manager by this point? Oh my. Yes. Yeah. And obviously he did have IRS as one of his guys, and <laughs> obviously by this point that's no longer the case. Yeah. Um, how long did that last for? Yeah, I think he had the million dollar corporation and that kind of frittered out, didn't it? Yeah. And then not long after this, he would bounce back by only having the ringmaster. Ah. Cue ominous music. Only game in town, says Eric Bischoff. He's really Ooh. trying to get this over. There's been a few... I think the big pot shots are still to come on the commentary. Oh, yeah. yeah there's been a getting... few little digs already. Because this is the thing. is that You'd expect the odd dig here or there, but really kind of fairly subtle. But mm. it was then when it started to get to basically, you know, directly referencing people or even naming people that it, you know, your, your jaw hit the floor because that just didn't happen, you know. Yeah. I mean, the f- and the thing that gets overlooked is these two are working very well together. Experienced enough. Like, yeah. Fit enough. It's a good foil. If you're going to have Sting defend the US title at this point, he said, well, I can't think of too many better foils. Oh, I think you just about could have landed that. Yeah. But, I mean, I think it's one of those things where even though this is VK Wall Street's WW debut, re-debut, whatever you want to call it. I don't think there's a single fan in that audience who thinks that he's going to win, you know? Well, this is it. I think this is a a tactic you see in wrestling and boxing and MMA. When you know someone's stock has a ceiling, you kind of get them in there fast. You know, marquee match versus Sting for the US title because not many matches for the rest of his WCW career or or this incarnation of it are going to be marquee. I suppose, yeah, it's a good point. He's getting a fair amount of offense as well. So it's a nice little match between two guys who know how to move around the ring. It's nothing, nothing that's gonna. It's not anything you're gonna remember. I mean, hell, we couldn't remember this ever happening. But <laughs> no, long time wrestling fans can just watch this. <coughs> you, yeah. you you hear us saying that a lot in this episode and the last one. 
Uh, it sounds a little bit like we're willing to settle, but then when you know what's to come in WCW in like 99 and 2000 and you have a largely stagnant uh, current product in WWE, you kind of harken back to the days of very basic but watchable. Ooh. There's a sting, a splash. I think the end is nigh. Get up. The crowd are into the pools, though. Mm. Nice pop. One, two, three. Yeah. You see, that's the thing with the mat where you give the crowd a pause to kind of gather their thoughts, catch their breath. You know, yeah. generally speaking, like when you get, you know, the modern era now where you get, you know, the this is awesome, the fight forever chance, it will be during a lull in the action because the crowd can catch their breath and get their thoughts as the crowd skims past the we want Vader sign. <laughs> I mean, we're two matches in and neither match is is worth anything in the annals of history. Whereas, you know, we had some very memorable big time matches on the first episode. Yeah. But unlike but, the first disaster of a match, I enjoyed watching that again. But the other thing to bear in mind is that they're all competitive matches. Now, you know, Raw at this time was one competitive headliner match and the rest were squashes, generally speaking. Yeah. So, so this this broke the mould because this was the first time that you had a um, um a, a show with all with with all like mar not marquee matches but you know competitive matches non squash matches you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm just looking at this rundown for WCW Saturday Night the following. Watch Saturday. Dave Sullivan and his rabbit. Yeah. Max Muscle versus the Renegade. Big Bubba Rogers versus Evad Sullivan. The debut of Disco Inferno. The debut of Disco Inferno. And to be fair, when Pillman debut, versus Wright, I'd watch. Yeah, when your debut is on a Saturday night, you know you're, you're not going to be pushed to the moon, don't you? Yeah. So this we saw this match get made in what was quite a nice little, uh, you know, fast-paced television thing. As you said earlier, with only 45 minutes to work with in airtime, mm. uh, they did a little hot and heavy thing to get over the fact that Scott Norton is a big, bad, tough dude. And, again, very similar to Sting Wall Street. They've got a guy they probably don't see much for, but they want to get a big match out of him. And then, presumably, he works his way down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, Scott Norton was doing great guns in New Japan. Um, he was quite, you know, he's one of the big, bigger foreign stars gauging there. Yeah. And because they been love putting big... that over. Yeah, they love a big foreign menace heel in New Japan, you know. Yeah, and he he worked massively successful, as you said. Uh, he could have easily done more in in WCW, but nothing. I don't think he'd have been any any significant player. But yeah, with a, think... with a look and a menacing vibe of his, you can you can have him in feuds till the cars come home. Yeah, I'm surprised. There must have been reasons why Vince never looked at him or never had him in. Probably I did think... look at him. I think, I mean, I think the reason he got put, didn't get pushed in WCW is because he he prioritised New Japan. That was where oh, that, he yep, attacked that straight it. away. He prioritised New Japan because he was much more marketable there. Yeah. Um, they and knew, Vince yeah, would they... never consider a, such a deal unless he was absolutely desperate. Exactly. So oh. I think I, I get the feeling that yeah, he was quite happy doing <laughs> doing this. He's having a go at one. Yeah. He, he, just, he just told he just told someone in the crowd, or maybe the, maybe Mongo, what do you think about that boy? I'm coming for you next. I think it was for Mongo. I think he, it would be more fun if he aimed at a ten year old, which is what I first imagined in my head. It, it would be great, yes. That's how you get someone over the hill. But this works as well. He, he's, he's battering Savage from the get go. But again, look at, you know, we've said about the presentation. You've got Savage in his neon colours with all the tassels and that. You got Scott Norton, big bad Scott Norton with black with a little, just a little bit of silver on, you know. Yeah, I mean, he his outfit doesn't look gaudy. He looks like a hill, dark clothing, simple, yeah. simple little clothes. He's not he's not desperately trying to cover up his boobs or have like this big gaudish icon to ram down your throat. That yes, yeah. he has money, so he has a big dollar sign on it. Yeah. So Savage has turned the tide with the big uh, with the big axe handle. Another axe handle to come. Oh no! Goes just leaps into his arms into the bear hug. Can you remember Savage? Whenever Savage was a babyface, he was the master of 
taking offense for 95% of a match and really selling and, and doing everything he could to put over his opponent before he'd somehow pull off his, his axe handles and his clotheslines and his knees and get the big elbow with like literally 5% of the match. I, I was just uh, about and it was say, always yeah, effective. Yeah, I was just about to say he'd, he'd give his opponent loads of offense as long as he won the match in the end, yeah. He was he was a master of actually transferring a decent amount of uh, heat intrigue into a bag and still getting a one two three, which is hard to do because you know at the end of the day, whoever tells you pins and submissions don't matter is having a laugh. Commentators are really getting into this one. Oh. They sound a little more comfortable now than they did in the Sabu match because this is the sort of thing <laughs> that a Bobby Heenan's used to covering. Yeah, big power bomb. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll hear, we'll hear about power bombs later because I think this is the the famous episode where you hear that comment from Bischoff. <laughs> big grin on Norton's face as he just scoops him up for another power move, backbreaker. There's an infamous comment from Bischoff on this. I don't know. Well, we'll get to it. I'm sure we'll get to it in a bit. Yeah. That was pure strength from Norton there, for getting getting um, Savage up because he had Savage couldn't push himself up. Yeah. Then so Norton was a big power lifter in his. Yeah, and he's he's time. looking the part. I always remember a great story from you know Gary Steele, the NWA UK hammerlock wrestler that became world champion for a week yes he um went over to um japan for a pay-per-view with zero one and he ended up um he ended up in a bar in tokyo with i think i can't remember who else it might Meng might have been there but scott norton was in the same bar and he'd never met gary still before and scott norton just starts like having a go at gary for no reason and like gary's like oh, i don't know what the fuck's going on here and in the end scott norton says right you you and me outside now so <laughs> gary's like i've no idea what the fuck's going on but you know he go he, he steps outside so they 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 get outside norton shuts the door just smiles pats him on the shoulder and he goes uh, he's back, I can't remember exactly what he says, but basically he was just testing to see uh, to see if Gary was the kind of guy that backed down from a situation, and he realised he wasn't. He was like, "Well done, kid, you've passed my test," and they got on great for the rest of the time. Oh man, the eighties and the nineties, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Slingshot suplex. It's... Oh man! Yeah. Hey, he's just done Martin Stone's London Bridge. Oh. <laughs> We just or saw Randy a rope hung DDT Orton. from Scott Norton in 1995. Yeah. I can see why Japan saw more in this guy. Yeah. Just in this one match alone. Ah, oh, oh. I'm digging this so far. Just turned a top. Norton went for a top rope shoulder tackle, and Savage dodges it and rams his head down as he comes down. This is this is a classic Savage semi squash. Say Here that ten go. times really Savage. fast. <laughs> this is now the Savage. Here's Savage's five percent that you were talking about. It's Tenta Sharp and Kamala. Kamala. Oh <laughs> fucking hell! It's the Dungeon of Doom. Oh, and they've just run, they've just run Norton oh. into Shark, who's now lying on his yeah. legs, so he can't get out of the way of the big <laughs> elbow. Why was the DQ not called? Savage has yeah. won. Here comes Seriously, Sullivan call a and DQ Meng. for Norton's sake. Why not? Yeah. Norton's not happy. He's Norton's just popped up from the elbow. He's just taken Savage's big elbow, and ten seconds later, he's up on his feet again. Oh dear. Oh, and he's he's going to start beef with the dungeon. So they've come down because Savage is on the Hulk Hogan team for War Games. In what is and they're the... on the opposite. The least intimidating war games match. Yeah. Since well, until uh, they decided to make it three teams where anyone can pin anyone. Remember that mess? I can't wait for us to cover that. I'll try to forget it. Yeah. Again, you know, like Sting v VK Wall Street, the war games that they're building up to is probably the least intriguing one where you just had no doubt whatsoever that the babyface team would win. Yeah. 
But uh, no, I, enjoy, I enjoyed that match other than the, the circus. Was the shark knocked out over Norton because he just collided with him briefly? And if you think, think back when we covered Super Brawl, he played a klutz in the finish that led to Big Bubba Rogers' demise, if I remember correctly. Uh, no one. <laughs> I think that because they had him like as a as a sympathy babyface before too long. John Tenter mm. feuding with Bubba Rogers. No wonder. Now here we go straight to the main event. This has flown past, and as our reward, Dean, we get to listen to Slammer. Sorry. Not as good as the original Luger music, which is didn't Stu Allen pick that? He did, and as I said. They were both awesome for me. Uh, maybe maybe because oh. I listened to this one a little bit more as things were happening in WCW because it was more my era. Yeah. Uh, hey, yeah I, um, I saw Stu Allen last night. He was at the um, he was in attendance at the IPW show in Eastbourne I was commentating on because yes. Scarlett, his missus, was wrestling. And literally, literally the first thing he said to me wasn't, hi, how are you doing? No, the first thing he said to me was, Chamber of Horrors. Oh, I was thinking for a second it was going to be that that Liam he's a right bastard isn't he yeah that was the second, that was the second thing he said yeah. well that's what he gets for bringing up gramophones on the podcast <laughs> we've got enough old relics in all the wrestlers we cover in WCW we don't need to bring <laughs> up gramophones here we go American made American made which doesn't sound like real American with one slight chord change or note left out at all in a in a company full of rip-off music, I didn't mind American Made. It wasn't great, but I didn't mind it. I'll say that about a lot of theme music. Yeah, it's not as bad as uh, Hulk Hogan coming out in Saudi Arabia to a, a song that has the lyrics, uh, "I'm a real American, fight for the rights of every man." Well, I'll, I'll give him I'll give him credit for coming out in Saudi Arabia. That, that's a tough thing to do. <laughs> Yeah, they're not the most uh, liberal of people. Maybe that's what he's thinking. I, I may have alienated the entire African-American uh, wrestling industry, but hey, I'm down with a homosexual's brother. So I'm just trying to top that time on the first watch-along that we compared him to Jimmy Savile. It's, uh, it's, it's <laughs> difficult to top that. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to get any better than that. On, on watch-along <laughs> three, Liam uh, accuses Hulk Hogan of necrophilia. <laughs> brother. See, I'm willing to bet that no matter how short or fun and gamesy this match ends up being, because we know it's a world title match on TV and Hogan's a champion, you know there's going to be a schmoz or something. Yeah, but this, um, is, this is the thing, it's like this is, you know, we've got our main event of the second ever Nitro, the first Nitro head-to-head with WCW, with WWF rather, you've got what we think is the first time ever match for the world title between Hulk Hogan and Lex Luger, who was in WWF a week and a bit ago. Yeah, it's a, it's a big match. It's a good way to go up against WWF for the first time. And as you know, they won that first... Uh, you know, what They won the first battle with them. Off the top of my head, I want to say 2.5 to 2.2. I'd have to look it up to be sure. Uh, but what I was going to say was, is I'm willing to bet whatever happens here, it's going to be better than their match at Super Bowl 2000. We covered with uh, your boss, Mr. Wood. Mm. Billy Wood, who you know that saw as well yesterday. Yeah, indeed I did. Has he recovered from Super Bowl 2000 yet? Uh, I think so, just about. He, uh, he's trying to recover from a dodgy throat at the moment. But um, now just to, um, just to put this in comparison, the uh, main event that was on... WWF Monday Night Raw around about this time was Shawn Michaels defending the Intercontinental Championship against Sid with Ted DBS in his corner. So that's why I'm going to pay particular attention to the commentary for this match. Which Although I feel safe be- doing during the Hogan match. Yeah, you know, the, beautiful, oh. the beautiful thing with this was that the, um, the ep- that episode of Raw was pre-recorded because involved in a dark match on that taping <laughs> was Lex Luger. Yeah. Then they make a hasty effort. And the Undertaker beat Man on a Mission and Sid. Oh, that sounds like a market. That's a main event anywhere in the country. Yeah. Chain wrestling from Hulk Hogan. Who's he kidding? I feel, considering the fact that Hulk Hogan, about a month after this, 
<laughs> Luca just sold, no sold the suplex. But yep. a month or so after this, Hogan would do his old temporary phase where he wears black and tries black. to be a dark character. Yes. Between between that and the chain wrestling here, I'm guessing he's having a midlife crisis. First of many. A lot of war games hype on the uh, commentary. Understandably so. Understandably so, yeah. That was just the most awkward rope running yeah. I've ever seen. And yet the, the weird thing... Oh, and now Hogan oh, returns now to Suplex No Cell. Which I like... Do you know what? I like that. I like that as a little spot. Yeah. And and Luger did the suplex from the right side of the body as well. <laughs> That's funny. Like As far as actually putting it together, two guys who are used to cruising on first gear... It's always a little bit awkward, a little bit clunky, as you, as you mentioned just now. But they they know how to put together an epic encounter. The fans are behind it. I like the the basic but effective spots they do. Ooh, They're no, working definitely. the headlock and not losing the crowd. And you, you deserve points for that. Plus, you know, it's free TV. You don't want to give them too much. You want, yeah, Ideally, you want to save the big match for the pay-per-view. This is like your taster. Yeah. Um, Mongo, Mongo's made his third reference, I believe, to the WCW. You can tell Hulk Hogan's determined to have a proper match when he does a couple of drop downs. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> is that a guy who barely made it past mid-level yeah he's talking about Kevin Nash <laughs> oh if only he knew what was going to happen what, next so year what was, the ref- what was the reference to Nash I missed. I only caught the half second half of that talking about how he's only a mid-level talent in WCW Hulk Hogan's in the rack oh because he was the world champ wasn't he yes of course So Hogan is is he meant to be out? Yeah, this is an awkward place to do this free arm spot, but they're doing it. Hogan why does would, the old dropping prematurely. Would, uh, yeah, uh, why the torture rack? The thing is, why the torture rack not you unconscious? I hate that spot. Who mm. what so called season pro <laughs> drops it early? Whole cup time. I was enjoying this match as a as a Cliff's Notes version of the very little that these two have to offer. I was enjoying it until that stupid spot and until the Hulk Up bollocks. Oh, everyone hated the Hulk Up. Yeah. Well, people loved it in the 80s, otherwise he wouldn't be such a bloody oh, millionaire or his wife wouldn't be such a millionaire. Big boot. Big boot. Is he going to get go. the visual pin? Here comes, Here comes the, what would become the official WCW Nitro finish. Just, yeah, just remember, before episodes. it was the NWO finish, it was the Dungeon of Doom finish. <laughs> Proof that the New World Order are just a bunch of Dungeon of Doom ripoffs. Ah, uh, Kamala when he had legs. <laughs> Sorry, that was a bit harsh, wasn't it? I, was, I should also say Brutus Beefcake when he had a face, but yeah, the, the man no. with no face gimmick was before this, I think. Uh, Stinger match over at, so they're putting over the four and three thing, and I, th- I think anyone uh, with two eyes can see how this is going. Yep. Luger's still in the ring if you need a hint. Well, I'm pleased that Luger has, uh, you know, he knows how paperwork operates. He's done his admin. Luger's up. And Sting, Sting's always the guy Sting. who vouches for him. And that's exactly what Sting's going to do here. And this, thankfully, this leads to one of my favourite things in uh, Dosto, which was the Sting-Luger partnership when Luger was just being a douche. Ah, uh, yes, we covered that on uh, Uncensored 96. The, the opposite of the hackneyed, cliched tag partners who hate each other, uh, which isn't done often enough. 
Steen and El Generico did it really well. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn did it really well in their early career. Now here's the promo. You're four on three down, Mean Gene. Vader's AWOL. He's got AWOL. AWOL is apparently on the floor underneath Paul Wendorf's fists. And sandal. <laughs> and let's bury... Yeah, apparently Wendorf kicked you in the face wearing a pair of open-toe sandals. Yep. So but Hogan also, is... bury Vader just in case he goes to WWF. Yeah. Uh, H- Hogan and Savage doubt Luger. Yep. And here comes Mr. 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 Pure, Mr. Vouch for anyone's sting. Six days to the pay for you, they need to cover it somehow. Oh, I wonder what they could do. <laughs> sort that fucking microphone out, that's what they could do. <laughs> Macho Man would rather go into a handicap match because, you know, he's fucking mental. Bear in mind, in war games, you're going four and three, you're probably going to be two men down at some point. Because the coin toss always Always the by the hill. Yeah, but it, they're only against the Dungeon of Doom and no one thinks they've got a hope in hell of winning anyway. Well, I'm glad that modern war games incarnations and attempts and rip-offs always, including like Lethal Lockdown and the NXT version, they now always... Uh, do a, ma- a qualifying match to get the advantage yes. because it makes more sense that the hill would win that every time. You can't win a coin toss every time. Don't don't mess with yeah. my OCD. Law of averages says wrong. <laughs> yes. Well, now Jimmy Hart's round with him. Put Jimmy Hart in war games. Yes. Hart's talking to Hart's trying to convince them that they should do this. Oh, Hogan's now said, should we let Lex Luger take Vader's place in war games? Oh, is that what they're getting at? Wow. To think we say about how time compressed they were, but you know, you get to the point in this one, they probably could have had another match or two. Yeah. They're oh, actually having Savage a boat says in no. the room. Hogan has the casting vote. Hogan's the casting vote. That doesn't work for me, brother. Oh, he's he's gonna he's gonna go for it. Yeah. Shock. Uh, is this the first time that Hogan's been put in this uh, position and he hasn't gone for a veto? <laughs> Remember, he, he never invoked the full power of his uh, creative control. Only once, oh, no. Bischoff says. Yeah, that's, that's because if someone walks up and says, I'm not doing that, and you immediately cave, you've, he's not invoked the full power of his creative control. Nope. So they've let him into the team, and they're having a shoving match anyway. Oh, no. How will the team work against the Dungeon of Doom? Maybe they'll actually lose because of the dissension, Dean. No. <laughs> <laughs> Bless them, they're trying to cast out. Is that they're a dog trying to put some intrigue again? into. Yeah, that's his dog, yeah. Oh, they're God. trying to put some intrigue into the match. <laughs> Eden just called it a tarantula in the derby because it's wearing a sombrero. Uh, what camera is. Totally. Bischoff just tried to subtly motion to him, and Michael's still looking at the wrong camera. Yeah. Oh, next week we've got Paul Wendorf versus Johnny B. Bad. That should be That'll fun. That'll be alright. Yeah. Oh. Well, no, no the nasty boys are on main event, it. thankfully. And, all, and oh, the debut of the American Males. The we've got all this bloods. to look forward to. The, the Blue Bloods. They'll be on Nitro. They've been promoted. So, episode three should be fun. We'll have to get round to that soon. There we are. We are we are done. It's a wrap. But do you know what we'll have to do first, I think? We'll have to do another pay-per-view soon. I think so. And do you know, if only we had like a, you know, a, a, a really fucking awesome guest to have on the show on the next episode. Wouldn't that be amazing? 
That that would be great, but you know, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to tempt fate or anything. So uh, that's very true. Let's just uh, let's let's see what let's see what happens. But I would just say, uh, stay tuned. Um, stay tuned, folks, because uh, our previous guest clearly didn't sign the right paperwork uh, and, and is off. And we're yeah, we're trying to find a, a new big guest to take uh, take their place on the uh, war. Well, it's not a war games pay per view. It's uh, what we do, we're doing Bash at the Beach 97, aren't we? Yeah, should, should we leave that to be all we say about it. But yeah, Bash at the Beach 97, which the I'm, debut I'm looking of at Dennis Rodman. Yeah, oh man. I'm looking at this as, as the first uh, episode looking at a particular era of those stories. Because we technically did, our very first episode was Starcade 97. We haven't done an, a pay-per-view in a calendar year of 1997 since. But, uh, but this one, obviously, Starcade 97, the culmination of all the storylines, it always feels a little bit closer to 98 than what was going on in early 97. There was, there was something about the first six, seven, eight months of 1997, up to and including the the title switch with, <laughs> funny enough, Luger and Hogan, we just Ooh. had on the TV. Uh, so I'm actually looking for this. To me, it's going to be delving into a fresh pocket of the product. And I know our guest is very enthusiastic about doing this and looking back at this particular pay-per-view for reasons he'll get into when we record it. Awesome. Well, that will be happening very shortly. So um, I guess in the meantime, we will we'll wrap this one up. Uh, so thank you very much for downloading. I hope you enjoy. Uh, don't forget, you can get a hold of us on Twitter at BecauseWCW, on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash BecauseWCW. Always like to hear from people. Please give us a follow on Twitter. Tell us what shows you'd like us to cover, what guests you'd like to have if possible. Um, we always like to hear back from people and we really do appreciate uh, all the downloads and all the support. So, on behalf of Sports Communist, uh, Liam Hatt, this is the Twisted Genius DNA saying thanks for listening and we'll see you ringside.